Hello and welcome to Film in the Alps. I am Martine de Biasi, and today I will be talking to Penda Diouf, a playwright and author, and the author of Tracks, a radio play produced by Michael Becker of NDR. Welcome, dear Penda. Hi, Martine. How are you? I'm very good because I'm talking to you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Penda, <clears throat> we usually talk about um, filmmaking and filmmakers in this podcast. But um, I did interview you for Ezodoc Tube, which is like the YouTube of Ezodoc, the European Social Documentary Program, where you have been a guest lecturer. And I thought that your insights in writing about personal stories, but with a global perspective, could be interesting for all other people who narrate stories for a living. Um, could you maybe, first of all, tell us um, a bit about you on what you do for a living and how you got to do tracks? Um, so um, uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm, um, I, I studied uh, French literature and after that I became um, um, uh, a librarian And I worked uh, for 10 years in a library in Saint-Denis. And Saint-Denis is a suburb in the north of Paris. And I stopped um, in a, just before the pandemic because I had other opportunities um, in, uh, in theater and uh, with the festivals that I co-organized. And I didn't want to miss these opportunities. So I, quitted my, I quit my job uh, at the library, and now I'm a full-time playwright. And um, I, I, I was commissioned by SACD, a society of authors and playwrights in France. Uh, and they asked me to write a small uh, text Uh, for 10 minutes about uh, courage. And it was a way for them uh, to give some visibility to female playwrights. Uh, so they asked uh, to six women to write this uh, a short, uh, short text uh, of, of 10 minutes about courage and after to read it on stage. So just to go back um, to your being a playwright, because I didn't know that you were a librarian before. But you don't get to from librarian to playwright in one night. You did you write while you were employed as a librarian? Yeah, yeah. I began um, I began to write uh, when I was fifteen um, years old, uh, and I began by poetry. And when I was seventeen, uh, eighteen years old, I I wrote something and it was more dialogues and I thought it was it looked like a, a theater play so I decided to write the entire thing and uh, but I didn't have a, a good knowledge of how to write a play so I went to the library to see to try to find um, a theater Uh, classical and more contemporary and uh, to structure my, my play and after that I sent it to different uh, juries and I, I had a nice uh, um, 
reviews. Uh, yeah, replies, critics, yeah. Uh, uh, answers. answers. Uh, from uh, Comédie Française and uh, another theater, Tarmac, uh, which is specialized in Francophone uh, theater. And I decided, and I had uh, some money. I, I think I earned 3,000 uh, euros at this time. It was not in euros, but the equivalent in euros. So it was a good start for me, and I decided to continue, but I was a little bit afraid to do only writing. So I, I finished my studies as a librarian, and during all this time, I, I was writing, but, um, and I had this festival, Jeune Texte en Liberté, but it was too much to do everything. So, yeah, four years ago, I thought it was a good time for me to to quit. But I'm still uh, working for the state in a way. I still have the status. Uh, so I have 10 years in my professional life to do something else. Oh. And if I don't go back uh, during these 10 years, I won't be uh, I won't, uh, a worker for the state. Uh, right. Anymore. So you because you were uh, like uh, yeah you were like an official of, of the state, and they give you these ten, ten years, and then you might go back if you yeah. want to. That's yeah. really interesting because in uh, in Italy there's nothing like that I think, mm-hmm. um, and I have the feeling that France really invests in their um, in their artists and writers. I have the feeling. Um, in, in France, we have uh, what we call um, intermittence. Mm-hmm. And it's a system for people who are working in art, yes. uh, in culture, to get some money, wh- even if uh, they don't work. Oh. But it doesn't work for uh, playwrights. It, oh. it oh, works no. for actress, actors, uh, directors, uh, filmmakers. Oh, <laughs> no. The, um, but not us. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? You're the most important ones. Yeah, but in France, we are not so important. No? I think the playwrights are the last people of the chain. <laughs> oh, no. You should, come, uh, you should come to us. No, I don't know. Here, here, it's, even, here it's even worse. Don't, I don't think that. Uh... Anyway, um, so, yeah, it took a lot of courage also to do the jump, I guess. And also in a very specific period in time, like it was shortly before Corona. That's, that must have been scary at a certain point. Still, though, you have, um, you have written um, this piece. It was, um, I don't know how to pronounce it in French, but uh, it's uh, tracks in English. And in French, it's piste. Piste. Oh, that's not even difficult. It's very piste. easy, actually. Yeah. Piste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that you decided to use the pronoun I, but this I is a literary, let's say it's a literary um, method, right? So it's very immediate when you hear I said by a person on stage and also I have to say said by a person uh, in radio um, through your ears because uh, um, Piste or Tracks is an audio play. So how, could you tell us like how much of your story is really in this piece and how much is it dramaturgy in a sense that wants to 
to um, tell a story that maybe you didn't live like this, but um, that, um, yeah, how much is it a literary um, tool? Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, first of all, I think I, uh, for me it was important to say I, because we are not a lot of uh, black women writing in theater. In France, maybe we are... Uh, in institution, uh, maybe we are two or three, three. So it's not uh, a lot. And we, uh, when I was younger, I think I did, I missed this type of stories of narrations. So for me, it was important to to tell other stories and stories from a from a minority perspective. Uh, what I tell in the in the play is true. But I had, um, my perspective was to speak about black body and how the black body has been uh, harassed, humiliated, um, killed in the history. So using I was a way to give an example of what can happen in France when we are a young, a, a young child. And it's a way. It is a way to uh, to speak about history and global history uh, from Germany, Namibia, and France. Uh, is a way to show that all these stereotypes and discrimination are, are not from today, but they have a long history. Yeah. So, um, if I, if I if I may, in three sentences, maybe, what is Trex about? Um, I think it's a journey. From my childhood in France as a black child, and all the um, situation of discrimination I had to face, I have to deal with, and the um, the depression I um, I I had because all of that, and um, the dream to 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 visit this country, Namibia. And when I went there to discover the the history of the of the country and uh, the colonization, the the German colonization, and after that the South African colonization, and uh, the country had his um, independence in uh, 1990 when. Um, uh, Nelson Mandela uh, became president of South Africa. Oh, wow. So it's very new. So, yeah, this is this journey from a little girl in Dijon in France to, to Namibia and the story of Namibia. Yes, and it was, and also, if I may add, because I've uh, listened to it all, it was important for me to hear this because of two things. First of all, I didn't know that there was a, the, the German uh, people had um, planned and executed a genocide of two people of Namibia. And also that you were um, in, the, in the tracks, you are telling also the story of um, Hendrik Whitboy. He was a leader of one of the two groups, and he was writing um, to shake also his um, his fellow um, um, Namibian people to fight against the oppression. So that was a historic, um, historically important thing because I think nearly every European 
state has a tradition or a history of oppression. Before, it was maybe more outward. And maybe now it's more subtle. But um, but yeah, it was super important for me to hear this piece of story. Mm, thank you. And uh, yeah, yeah, for me, it was important to, to, sh- to, to show... Um, to tell about uh, resistance because often when we speak about colonization or genocide, we are we are speaking uh, about um, victims, but we don't show that people fought and uh, tried to uh, defend themselves, and uh, we, we forget this part of the history. So for me, it was important to to show that Namibians people, Herero and Nama, were very. Um, um, very much aware also of what was happening, yeah. right? And we're, uh, and we're uh, trying to organize a resistance that unfortunately uh, didn't go well. Uh, but, um, yeah. and I guess it's also always a two-sided sword, right? Because I bet there were, you know, I have the feeling that um, sometimes... Um, Colonization has two links, right? The the ones who are, who were the perpetrators, but also the ones who helped the perpetrators because they thought mm-hmm. or they believed or they. So that was so interesting, also to hear you talk about um, Whitboy warning his people against working with uh, German invaders. Yeah. So the Germans, you said, uh, were actually um, practicing what they then um, executed in, on a much larger scale with the Shoah and the um, uh, extermination of Jews. Um, how was the research process of your play and of your work? Because as you know, we, you start with an I, but then you go to such a big we because what the Germans did is not something that... Um, that uh, another another um, country is exempt of, like we have uh, nationalistic and you know genocidal currents in every society and culture. So you start with I, but then you go to a global side of humanity. How how did you structure the research and and in in this dramaturgy, let's say? Uh, I think my first um, research was my own experience in Namibia um, because. I, um, it's still segregated in a way because there's not so much white people, but they own uh, a lot of properties, hotels, restaurants, and um, the economic uh, uh, life. So I, as a black woman, I was sensitive to this. I, I, and I am curious about uh, what signs of uh, what people sign, signs are in the public space. Uh, like, do you uh, is there some graffiti? What are the names uh, in the streets? What kind of food people eat? Um, who is uh, on the on the on the money and um, in the bank on the bank money? Um, things like that. And I think it's um, a first good uh, entrance to a country or to a culture. Uh, because in Namibia, when I was asking the question, what is your favorite food? 
uh, people always answered to me um, the name of, a, of German food. So it means that still today, even if uh, Germany is not um, part of the country, uh, the, the food is still German. Uh, you can eat Apfelstrudel in, in, uh, in Namibia. People are, uh, the religion is uh, Protestant, as in Germany. So the religion stayed, and you have a lot of temples, uh, Protestant temples in Germany. The names of the, of the cities, some are still German. Uh, the name of people, they have German people. Uh, I, um, I'm speaking about uh, an athlete in the play. His name is Frank Fredericks. Frank is German. So uh, there are still a lot of um, traces of German colonization in the, in the country. And um, I had the opportunity to, to, to go to, uh, in Poland and to go to um, Auschwitz-Birkenau. And um, over there, you still have everything as if, as it was uh, during the Second World War. And in Namibia, you have nothing. Um, there is only a small uh, plaque. <laughs> I don't know how to say. Commemorative. Um... Yes, it's a plaque. It's a, yeah, it's a, a sign. Yeah, yeah. To, to tell that uh, there was a genocide here and uh, with um, like a, a small monument, uh, not a small, but a monument, but that's it. Uh, so it's very um, discreet in the public space and people don't speak a lot about it, I think, because there's still a trauma. And um, after that, I, I found things at the library a book uh, that was very helpful for me. It's a book uh, with all the letters from Hendrik Wittboy, this NAMA chief, NAMA captain. And he wrote a lot of letters for German people, for other chiefs in Namibia, uh, for English people to warn them. And the letters are very beautiful and very uh, uh, there, there is a lot of poetry in these letters. And the name of the book is Your Peace Will Be the Death of My Nation. And I, I, I took a lot of uh, quotation from this book because for me it was important to show, uh, to hear his, uh, his tongue, his language, and to... Um, to see uh, what we can call Pan-Africanism because it was... Um, he wanted people to uh, from Africa to meet and to, to work against uh, G Germany and against colonization. And I, it's beautiful to read that because um, it didn't work, but he, he tried. Yeah, yeah. Um Do you think your work has always roots in personal story or um, or is it something that you like how do you how do you start to work on a new piece? Because we were talking uh, before the interview, uh, we talked a bit and you said it's very important that um, people tell like uh, you know uh, French 
people from African descent like you tell their stories because you missed them when you were a child. So my question is, was it an evolution that you started writing about these um, experiences you had? Or have you always been, I need to tell my stories or our stories? Yeah, uh, yes, for me, it's important to tell our stories, not uh, specifically mine, but our stories. And um, what is important for me is to speak about a uh, process of uh, domination and uh, about uh, minority groups and about uh, stories we have forgot and stories of resistance, about strikes, about uh, demonstrations, um, even if it's far from me. One of my last play, the name is Black as Gold, but I'm not speaking about black people. I'm speaking about miners in the north of France And they were looking for a, a coat. And the coat is black as gold, not people. And uh, uh, in France, in the history, they, um, a lot of people from abroad came during the Second World War because French people were at the war. So government asked people from Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, uh, Poland, uh, Italy, Portugal to come in France and to work in mines. And they did it. And they did a lot of effort during the Second World War. But at the end of the war, the salary were very uh, low and the prices were increasing. So they did a, a strike in 1948. But the government, it was a socialist government, decided to send the army and they killed a lot of people. All the people who were, uh, which were in the uh, ah, syndicat. Uh, uh, the syndicate, the, which were in, the, um, how do you say? Uh, union? Workers' unions, yes. Workers' unions. They, they, uh, they were fired. And uh, people who didn't have the French nationality had 48 hours to leave the country. So it's not my story because I don't have minors in my in my family. But I uh, I was really sensitive uh, to their fight uh, for their rights and the way the government used them and then fired them. Right. And for me, it was important to 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 tell this story. So how. How much do you really think about the concept of intersectionality in your work? You think about it or is it something that other people say you do? Oh, uh, I don't know if it's conscious in my work, but of course, as as a writer, I I, I do with who I am. And I am, of course, a black woman uh, with a Muslim culture, bisexual. So all these things are, all this, um, yeah, this background is uh, important in my place. Even if it's not um, explicit, I think there's still a level where I try to, to show the complexity of, identities and, of course, of the word. Yeah, and 
like we we do live in a moment i think where um where uh, I, i'm also gay so i tell my own story but um do you think like we are in a moment where we have permission let's say to to talk about us and talk about our stories in a way that hasn't been like this for a long time um is there still some people um uh, bef- who came before you who you draw a lot of inspiration from in the type of uh, stories you tell um yeah but they, they are not they are not uh, widening plays but uh, Ken Bugul uh, she is um, a novelist uh, in in Senegal and uh, she was a big in- inspiration for me because one of the first women i know who wrote in uh, in Senegal and uh, her name Ken Bugul in Wolof means nobody wants her and uh, she decided to call to call herself like that because she was sending her manuscript to uh, publishing houses and she always had uh, negative answers so she took the stigmat <laughs> and she took it as a name and i think it's very powerful so i really like her ken bugul uh, i really like um tony morrison or audrey lord um they are inspirations for me because their poetry or their novels are speaking about themselves uh, intimately but uh are universal because they are speaking about how to be a woman and how to deal with all the difficulties uh with the society and patriarchy and everything and and to fight against a disease or uh, and and with Audrey Lord there is this um a, a big part of sorority and how to help each other as as women so yes yeah, they really uh, inspired me and the other type of inspiration or more in philosophy and all this movement with um Vinciane Desprez I don't know if you know her but she's an ethologist and she writes a lot about the relationship between animals and humans uh or Baptiste Morisot is uh, from France and is uh, speaking about uh, wolves and how the wolves have been um mistreated <laughs> in a way in fairy tales and everything and um and for me it's important to have another vision of the world and not to think that the humanity is in the center but we are living with other living beings uh, trees and we have to to be aware of that uh, we are not alone <laughs> yes yeah mm-hmm. so um... I I I would urge everyone to go and look up uh, tracks and all your other works. But um maybe you can 
actually tell us where we can find you? Do you have an email address? Do you have a website? Do you have a place where we can mm. find you? Do you have Instagram or I don't know where we can uh, yes. follow you? I don't have. Uh, I have a website, but it's for my it's for my festival. The name is Jeune Text en Liberté. So it's Jeune Text en Liberté dot com. I think. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I will check it and I will put it in the links. So even if it's uh, uh, org or something else, uh, please, uh, listeners, uh, know that we are you're gonna find uh, the the website on in the show notes. And uh, on uh, social media, I am on Facebook or Instagram, and it's Penda Nzi N Z I N Z I. Wonderful. Yeah. Panda, I, 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 I loved uh, talking to you. Um, thank you for you your too. time. Um, and thank, thank you, you for the insights into your work. I know it's difficult to talk about. Sometimes it's difficult to talk about the, yeah. the inside outs of our soul because we are working, but we're also doing art and doing something that, um, that shows others what we have inside. And hopefully it inspires them. But still, it's scary because it's also, you know, people could... Uh, could also use our vulnerabilities, but I think uh, you did super. Um, I, I'm really happy to have um, have talked to you. Um, okay, for our listeners, you can find us on Instagram at Film in the Alps, and you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and any other podcast provider. Please, if you like this um, podcast, why don't you tell a friend or a family member? It really helps us to spread. Well, Alexander Demetz is the architect of our website. Sergio Coca designed our logo and CI. This episode will be edited by Lydia Gasparini and Lisa Maria Kerschbaumer is the co-author of the project Film in the Alps. I am Martine De Biasi and I thank you for listening to this show. Until next time, stay happy. <laughs>